Hello, my name's Mark Searby and I'm a film critic, broadcaster and author of Al Pacino, The Movies Behind the Man. Thanks for clicking play on episode 6 of All About Al, The Pacino Podcast. Can you believe it's 40 years since the release of Scarface? 1983. Well, if you're listening to this podcast in December of 2023, then it's exactly 40 years since it was released in North America and the UK. To tie in with the release in the UK, Park Circus Films are putting the 4K version of the film back in cinemas for a couple of weeks. So if you've never seen Tony Montana on the big screen, then now's your chance. Also, as a little self-promotion, I've written the programme notes for the re-release. If you go to parkcircus.com and search for Scarface, you will see the listing for Scarface, programme notes, November 2023. I hope you enjoy that read. It's all about how the film found a second life in the 1990s thanks to sports commentators and American rappers. Now this episode ties in to the 40th anniversary of the film's release and what better way to do that than to have someone who starred in the film come and chat about the experience. Pepe Serna has appeared in hundreds of films over the years including Red Dawn, Caddyshack 2 and The Black Dahlia. However, it's arguable that his most well-known appearance is in Scarface. He plays Angel Fernandez, one of Tony Montana's right-hand men. If you're unsure which character that is, then let me tell you, he's the one who has his arm chainsawed off while being handcuffed to a shower curtain rail. Yeah, he's that guy. And you're going to hear about that scene and more stories in this podcast. So here it is, all about Al. The Pacino Podcast, Episode 6, with actor Pepe Serna on Scarface. It's a mirror image. How is your left arm? You know, it's taken a while. But uh, I'm back into my fighting, fighting. Uh, <laughs> I am actually back to my fighting weight. I was a Golden Glove champ and I fought at 148. I was a welterweight and I'm 150 right now. So I'm not too far away from when I was 18. So you were a boxing champ. So that must have helped when you were cast in Scarface because you were, you know, you were Tony's right hand man. You were heavy muscle. So that must have helped when you were cast in it. Oh yeah, yeah, and that's that's why uh, that's part of why I'm sure they 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 cast me is that you know as 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 meek and humble as I am, I uh, you know the Latinos, you know we're either killing somebody or being killed in film. <laughs> right? So I, I did both of those plenty. So uh, you know if if you see it, you believe it. But the saying if you if if you don't see it, you know, you have to see it to believe it. Yeah. Yeah. So so what is your what's the start of your Scarface journey then? How does this come about into your life? Because obviously you're already working. And then you get to that. So wh wh where does it start? You know, what's the first part where you start to hear about Scarface and go up for an audition? I was trying to get in for the audition and I couldn't get in, couldn't get in. Then. They wanted Edward James Olmos mm -hmm. for one of the major parts. But 
his altruism wouldn't allow him to do uh, these negative stereotypes unless they would have let him do the Al Pacino part, right? Okay. <laughs> so they got him, they got Edward James almost to help audition all the actors. And he said he would do it under one condition, that they allow him to have 15 minutes with every actor before they came in to see De Palma. And that never happens. That's never happened before, and it's never happened since, I'm uh -huh. sure. And they respected him so much that they allowed him to do that. So then they got, he got them to, to, see, to, to see me. So I got an interview because he's my best friend. Everything is almost as my best friend, and we've worked together forever. So he got me in for the interview. But they flew me out to New York for 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 Manny's part for for Manny. Oh right, right. okay. So we had a two day round robin auditions at, at the Miriam Cologne Theater. It was incredible. Um you go in you had six actors for every part except obviously Al. Hmm. And and that was the fascinating thing. I, I come from improv, so it's just like you're on. But Al Pacino was like reading his script like 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 he's just barely learning how to read, right? He's not he's not everybody else is, you know, acting their buns off, you know, just <laughs> doing everything and and uh and uh he, he just very calmly, you know, is doing his scene. But but so after the first day, because of my improv, I mean, I was all over the place. I was, man, it just felt so great. Well, you know how it is when your endorphins are going, you think, wow, I'm brilliant. <laughs> I got back to the hotel. My wife, who's always with me, we met her the second day I got to Hollywood. We've been together 54 years and we've only been apart 22 days. Wow. Years. So she's always there. I get to the hotel and I say, um, you know, if I don't get this part, I'm going to be really surprised because I was on. The second day, I, I turned the corner, going to the theater, just pumped up, and I saw Stephen Bauer with, with uh, um, oh, God, I just... Uh, I just drew a blank on her name, the casting director, Alex Gordon, with Alex Gordon. And I could just, and he had like a t-shirt that was torn and kind of like trying to look kind of like Marlon Brando's streetcar named Desire, trying to get, I mean, he's so friggin' beautiful and, and, <laughs> and such a, you know, a specimen of a man that, that he had to, they had to dumb him down to not look so, so uh pristine uh, model like you know <laughs> so so i realized right then when i saw when i just saw that i knew i knew that they already wanted him he had already turned down uh, uh a movie uh a, a pretty big movie that uh, and they offered him the part the lead in this other movie and they kept him he knew they wanted him for scarface and I mean, nobody, I mean, 
see, I'm I'm a healthy individual. I, I uh, if I was if I was producing it now, I would, and I'm up for it. I'd still hire Stephen Bauer to play because he is Manning. I mean, <laughs> you know, you know, uh, I you know, I don't, I don't, I don't uh, mix myself up anyway. Uh, so so uh, the second day again. You know, six characters. Right? I mean, it was it was wonderful, man. All these because for me, auditions are are like like you got the part. You know what I mean? I mean, like you get to do it, you get to perform it, you get the chance to go in the door and be seen and be recognized, and 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 you give it your all. And sometimes you win, and then sometimes you win even better. Cause I keep it all on the positive. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> and so, so anyway, uh, Stephen gets, gets the part. And then about a month or so later, Eddie calls me from universal studios. And he says, can you get here in 15 minutes? I want to get you in for, for angel. And I said, which character is angel? And, and I skimmed through it real quick. And I said, Oh, wow. Angel has two, two words or something in, in the script. And I said, I've already read for the lead, but see what's kept me going my whole career is that I, there are no small parts for me. I'm there. There are no extras in life. Yeah. I'm So I said, he said, but you got to be here in 15 minutes. And I lived 15 minutes away in Eagle Rock, California at the time. So I just made a beeline and I got the part because Eddie first got me in for Manny. Then he, he got me in for, and actually a friend of mine had actually gotten the part of Angel. And, but he was doing a movie, the the Emerald with Ryan O'Neill in Mexico. Mm -hmm. So he wasn't going to be able to, to get back in time to do it. So then I got it. So, uh, you know, and people usually don't talk about that, right? Because it's like, I had it the whole time, you know. No, but then what happened was that I was up for uh, uh, William Friedkin's Deal of the Century mm -hmm. at the same time, and he wanted me really badly. So, so, but it worked out that they said because the production managers knew each other, they said, "Look, Pep is only working, and then he won't work again. So he he's got that time open." We'll let him do both, both movies. So I, I, I was paid for twenty five weeks, uh, and and I just worked uh, a little bit. I rehearsed, and then because at that time, at that time, in in eighty three, eighty two, eighty three, if you rehearsed, then they had to pay you from the beginning to the end, from when you start to when you finish. So in that case, they don't do that anymore. But in that case, they had to hold me. And and then when we went back to Miami for, for the scene at, at the, going up to the hotel room that I get, uh, that they kept paying me. <laughs> that's that's amazing. That's that I mean, that has just worked out. That just worked out perfectly for you, didn't it? It really did. I want to ask you, you touched on it there about rehearsals. Did you get much rehearsal time with Al? Oh yeah, two two weeks. We were oh. we were two weeks, man. And 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 during that time when working with Al, 
and and he invites us to to his friend uh, um I think Jimmy Sheridan who passed away who was in American Buffalo with him mm. wanted him to play Manny's part because they were really tight and so he invited us to his apartment our core group because he wanted to to get tight with us and know that we were had that freedom with him that it's not Al Pacino you're working with you know Montana <laughs> man you know so I say hey do you, do you go do you go to a lot of parties you know, because he was staying in Malibu at the time. And he says, no, man, I can't go no place man, because people think I'm crazy because <laughs> he's always in character. Once he gets in character, like I was saying before, the rehearsals, he's not in character. He's he's still discovering it and he's just auditioning the other people because but once he's in, he's in for the life, for the duration of the, of the film day and night and it was great you know he he just had that gave us that that rite of passage to come in and be at, at a party with him and and uh and connect so when you started rehearsing you never saw al pacino you saw tony montana all the time yeah yeah what not oh yes once we started rehearsing yes yeah so how did that relationship develop with with Tony Montana and Angel, did it come nice and easy for you and Al, or, or or were you working on it quite a bit for those two weeks? No, it was for me. It's automatic because uh, I'm an improv guy, and it's like, uh, hey, you know, how do you keep, you know, you focus on the other guy. You're always focusing. You're not focusing on oh, what 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 tricks can I do, you know, to stand out. It's not about that. It's about being real and and paying attention to to everybody else that's in the scene. You know, the, the what's in the scene, the, the furniture, everything encompasses that reality of, of who you are. So with Al, obviously, I mean, the king of kings, when, when it comes to that, you know, because uh, he's he he. You know, if there's an ant crawling on the wall, he's going to see that too. <laughs> uh, and and so so uh, the least you can do is give it back. Yeah. And, and so anyway, yeah, he's he had that camaraderie, and then and then it came a time he he was having a problem with the scene uh, with uh, when we were at the camp, and and he was trying to find his relationship there at the camp uh, uh, at the beginning of the film. And he was trying to get a friend of his who was a writer, but he, to write something. And I said, and I, because he wanted to have something about us, our core group. So I said, I'll write my, uh, the backstory too. So where I'm up, I'm up at, in, in the, um, near the offices and and I'm writing and Oliver Stone comes out of the room and he spots me and man fire starts coming out of his ears you know you know what are you doing what are you doing right I said I'm just writing my own backstory I'm just you know but he was so angry that because he knew I guess that Al wanted something extra so I gave the scene to Al and, and what I had 
written, it, it didn't really make the cut. But what it was is that, that I'm on the phone, you know, at the camp trying to reach my, my brother. And, and uh, that's there in, in Florida, uh, Angel is. And, and so, and, 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 and in the thing I created, and he says, so then Al said, uh, uh, Tony Montana says, hey man, what are you doing? He says, your brother. He says, what are you doing talking to him? He doesn't even like you. <laughs> he doesn't even like you. You know, so that was that was just that connection. And I'm on the phone trying to, it was just a little snippet of what, you know, the time I was spending creating that scene, but and always creating that backstory for yourself and and the other guys and how do we know each other is Maralitos coming over. We were all in, in jail. We were all malcontents and up to no good, you know, uneducated. But obviously we we were we were all pretty brilliant. Of course, Tony Montana was the, the most brilliant, but he wouldn't have had us there as his as his henchmen if we weren't as sharp and on top of it. And that's why I ended up uh, taking the blade for him, you know. It was, Somebody, uh, somebody's got to. Yeah, no, that's uh, yeah, that's that's uh, that's life, and then that's also film. You got to yeah. move it on. Yeah. yeah. Let me ask you about you. Obviously, you're talking about it there about losing your arm. Let me ask you about it when they tell you they're gonna, they're going to take an arm off in such a way that has possibly never been shown on camera before that point in film history. And what are you thinking? Are you thinking, how are they going to do this? Or are you thinking, you know what? This is going to be interesting. You know, like I say, I'm an improv guy. So I just let the moment happen. I don't preconceive uh, what, you know, what what I'm going to do, create, is because it's it's something that's happening to me. It hasn't happened yet. It's never happened to me before. So I just have to, I put myself in the moment of that time. And then, and then the, uh, 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 the kid, Padilla, uh, uh, the, the little Colombian guy that had pulled my hair, he actually, he was in American Graffiti. And he was also played a boy in the TV series of, of Tarzan uh, in Mexico when he was. And so I used to see him on TV when I was a kid. And so I was like, oh, I met this guy. So there's this little guy and he's just like, you know, a little uh, indigenous guy came from, you know, short. And but he had that strength of that, that maniacal thing that these that these people who drug dealers have you know they're like they're like you know they're not on cocaine but that's what they're selling might as well be because they're above beyond that their their adrenaline is going so much that that all i have to do is is just i've already come in the room i see the woman in the bed with with the the machine gun it looked like a bazooka whatever it was <laughs> but you know they actually found her on sunset strip that she wasn't an actress she was just an interesting human being face that 
fit the part. They just plucked her off the street. Plucked her off the street. I don't remember, but she was fantastic. So you come in a room and catch it in pedroncitos, you know, like this fury is like, and you're like, oh, you know, it's like uh, this, this is for real. This is like uh, insanity, a horror film. It's already started. And, and uh, so, so anyway, all of that plays into it. We walk in to the room. We're in Miami. We're walking down, you know, the, at the beach there and, and all of that reality driving up to the hotel and, and they're in the back seat with Al going in, in the, in the behind the scenes footage that I'm sure you've seen. We're like, you know, I'm going and, and I've got my, my crucifix and, and I'm like, uh, you know, going, what's going on in my mind is just whatever's going on in my mind right then as that character, just like, uh, you know, it's all make-believe. So how much do you believe yourself? Hmm. How good a liar are you to yourself to be a, a good actor, to really uh, tell, tell you that truth. Yeah. And it's like, uh, and it was like, and in seeing the pictures, especially afterwards, because they weren't, they never, we never saw it on film is watching Al, a stoic, you know, everything inside and, and me, you know, I was, I was jittery. I was, uh, really more uh, of a guy with a heart <clears throat> you know I was I was from the jail system too but it wasn't for the same reasons they were in jail so it was more my personality and my humanity but having Al Pacino sitting next to you but no but I take that back having Tony Montana there sitting next to you because I'm not never I never think of of Am I, you know, am I intimidated by Tony Montana? No, I'm his right hand man. He's he's depending on me to watch out that that nothing's going to happen to him, you know. And with uh, Tony Montana, you know, being Tony Montana, night and day, whether uh, then we were walking down, we, we were at the Fountain Blue. Uh, hotel and and um he would he and and steve bauer were walking through all the girls there at the, at the great what a great hotel that was and and uh, i'm walking and i have uh, uh oh god i can't think of uh i can't think of, i can't remember the name of the book but i had a book that i was reading and it was um oh god it was about the holy grail the, i think it was called the holy grail and, and he, he said, what are you reading there, man? And I said, oh, the Holy Grail. Said, Don't buy no wooden nickels, man. <laughs> you know what that means? No, please, please explain. Don't buy no wooden nickels. Don't don't believe uh, don't believe anything you're reading there, man. Because those nickels are only, they're made of wood. <laughs> that, the information, so. But he was in character telling me, you know, okay, man. Let me ask uh, you about, you, you mentioned it there about obviously shooting in the hotel. Were you caught up in the um, the pushback by the local Cuban community while you were filming down there? 
I, I knew about it because mm -hmm. it happened before mm -hmm. and, and I wasn't privy to any of that drama because uh, I didn't have to be. I mean, they I wasn't in the conversation and, and it, so I knew it. I had Cuban friends. My Carmine Murcello, who rest in peace, was a great friend of mine who worked with me on my Cuban accent uh, for for months, you know. Uh, and of course, she knew about it. And and uh, but and 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 I knew, I knew what they were saying because it's 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 still going on. And that's all you ever see is you know we're playing gangsters and and the women are major or prostitutes. And and when we have such incredible stories to tell, but the Cubans, I mean, Latinos were, a lot of people were upset that a non-Cuban was playing, a non-Latino was playing that part. But man, the majority, the big majority of the Cubans that I've ever run into had no problem with, with Al Pacino playing Tony Montana because he was so, uh, so incredible. I mean, it made it what it is. Okay, what I want to ask you first um, is about when the film comes out. Did did you go to the premiere? Yeah, yeah. We, uh, you know, you know. I'm, I'm when you ask that, I'm just for some reason I'm not, I'm not remembering the premiere, but but. But I ran into a guy who went to the first screening that they that they screen for the board, right? Oh, okay, right. The the and, MPAA. Yes, and and do you know the story of how what happened that they had they had the arm swinging in the shower, and it totally freaked them out. I didn't know that. Yeah, that they had the arm, uh, they had the arm hanging, and and the guy said that it freaked him out. So instead of all the the profanity and all the fu's there, they said, okay, we'll take that out to not get the R rating or the X rating. I know the X rating. I guess. Yeah, the X rating is what they needed to get away from. They wanted the R rating. And 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 yeah and 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 so it was it was I think I've heard that it was a chess move on the part of De Palma of of leaving that in so that it would be so so horrific that anything taking that out would be okay now the rest of it is okay. <laughs> So, so take out the severed arm and leave in the 200 and something FUs and they won't notice. Yeah, they'll, they'll, <laughs> they'll, they'll, they'll check it off. And, and this guy was at that screening. Uh, he said, for when, when he saw that, and I forget who it was that told me, but that was the most horrific scene in the history of film up to that time was that arm hanging it's still of all the parts i've ever played that's the most recognizable because the i mean the job 
you know, Al Pacino, Tony Montana is, is who everybody knows. And, and, you know, but, but that scene, they also remember. I had, I had my mouth taped because they asked me all the time about that. How, how was that? You know, I said, it was great. Cause I'm still getting residuals. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, it was, it was, uh, it was, uh, I just had to be in the moment, you know, and it's not, it's a cliche. Oh, be in the moment, you know, just be in the moment, but what a moment to be in, you know, I'm, I'm hanging there, you know, the weight and, and, and you hear the, and, and, and 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 you feel it now. Of course, it's a rubber blade, but you feel it on on the shoulder. And then the editors came up to me after. And said, it was the first time that they had ever edited a, a scene where somebody got they squirted blood into their eye, and I that I didn't blink for for that. I look for that to see if I, but I, I can't find what they're talking about. But them as editors, they they see it because they dissect every little frame, right? But but no, to that was that was the most uh, realistic moment. That I never even thought of it really until right now that that I've ever probably one of the most realistic because how horrific it was, but that it was not that there was no there was nothing said it was all in the eyes and and the internal the internalization of of even the sounds weren't because it was taped so it couldn't it couldn't be that you know mm. uh, you're a healthy you're a fit guy and you have been all your life i guess that helps when you have to continue to reshoot this scene with your arm dangling up there for long periods of time that must have been um quite tough on your arms and your muscles for it uh no and maybe it was at the time but i don't i don't live in that space um i'm i'm like i'm there I'm, and it's not but the i'll give you a funny aside that happened because brian de palma usually is always like making notes and even when we audition going back to when we auditioned eddie and i eddie auditioned for my character with manny as 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 tony montana and and that was manny and and man we tore that room up you know not literally but or figuratively or whatever but but man we were like we were and and De Palma was just making no he didn't even wasn't even looking up, I don't think. I don't know. We weren't looking at him, but but after we got through doing the scenes, he just looked up at us at, at Edward James almost and he says, he says, What a troop. What a troop. <laughs> <laughs> so but 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 let me get to it. Yeah. He's always looking down, right? So then I go after I get my arm. And then I'm full of blood, right? And I and I go to the makeup to to you know to freshen up the all the what they have to do, and and I come walking back in in into the students to the stage, and and the, the Palmer's sitting there, and then he he looks up, 
at me, and he just kind of chuckled. <laughs> it was, it was, it was really, it was, it was, uh, it was interesting and interesting because you know his father was a surgeon, right? Oh, right. And so he used to be there for some of his, for some of his uh, surgeries and stuff. I think as a child, he used to bring him to work. So I don't know. So he, you... he's possibly built up a tolerance to that sort of thing. So when he sees it and he's doing it in the movie, he just, he thinks it's he funny. Probably having a chuckle of, and having a, a fond memory of his father taking him to work. <laughs> <laughs> so let me ask you about when you first, st so, so Scarface comes out uh 9th of december 1983 it's not a huge hit at all it doesn't do well with critics it's you know it's not a flop but it's not a huge movie like it was meant to be it sort of disappears by by the following year at what point do you start to hear it's coming back into the public conscience at first subliminally you're hearing all the rappers mm -hmm. talking up the bat, about the gangster life and bringing up Scarface and Tony Montana. And so it's just, so it's that publicity of all the t-shirts, all the posters, all of a sudden, all of a sudden, all of a sudden never stopped. All of a sudden it happened and it's never stopped. When was that? What year was that? It wasn't maybe a few years later. I don't. I don't know. You probably know better than. I mean, most. to me, I would have said mid to late nineteen nineties is when you would have certainly the rappers that you're talking about in the U.S. who were, you know, showing off with their bling and their money, and that's when the Scarface. Uh, we're, they started to talk about Scarface quite a lot then. So I would say mid to late 90s. So, you know, you're talking about 10 years, maybe more before it seems to seep back into the public conscience. Yeah, I didn't even, I didn't even, because I was living my life, you know, I'm taking my wife where she needs to go. Yeah. You know? That's yeah. been my, my uh, godsend is that I've been a performer all my life, but when I met her, life took over, and she introduced me to uh, colors and trees and created me as an artist. So you can look at your IMDb, and there are hundreds of TV shows and movies and other bits on there that you have done through the years. So where does Scarface fit into all of this? Like, where does it rank for you for everything? Well, the ranking comes in in the popularity of it. Is that my my passion is doing improvisational workshops and teaching uh, students how to connect, communicate, and collaborate? Because that's what I know how to do from playing sports. And that it's not, I'm the quarterback, but I'm going to make you get the touchdown, you know? Yeah. And, and, and one day you're on my team 
and you score, it's great. The next day you're on the other guy's team, but you make a great play. That's a great play because you're still on my team, even though you're not on my team that day. So then how, how Scarface, the, that's what, oh, I've, once, you know, I've been a character actor. You don't, you, most people don't know my name. And, and, but once, once I did my documentary, uh, uh, and I'm the star of my documentary and, and just a, a quick, and, and the star of, of my book, that's the same thing. Then once I became a star of that, I became a star of everything I've ever done. Every little bit part of that rite of passage, you know, where does Scarface land and all and everything? Well, that's Scarface. It's got the biggest, that's, that's, that's gone with the wind. You know, that's, that's. That's uh, the biggest movies you can think of and that you're part of that. And then you're part of a, a an iconic scene. There's the most, the goriest scene that, that that helps promote everything else because it's about the big picture. I guess that leads me nicely into my last question for you, Pepe, which is what is your favorite Al Pacino movie? Well, I, I loved uh, uh, there, there again, you know, Dog Day Afternoon was, was just, uh, you know, Attica, Attica, that, that's a primal scream, isn't it? You know, for, for, for so many, for so many reasons. <laughs> and, but it just, it goes on and on. And just being there, having experienced uh, Scarface, it's hard not to, that's my connection. Pepe Cerna talking about starring in Scarface there. I must mention that Pepe has a coffee table book out about his life. It's called Pepe Cerna, Life is Art, and it's filled with photos from his career. It's also got some of his artwork in there as well, which is really bright and very colourful. It's available to purchase from his website, pepecerna.com. Pepe also has a documentary out too. It's also called Pepe Cerna, Life is Art, which is an in-depth look at his extensive career. I really don't see Pepe slowing down anytime soon either. After we'd finished chatting about Scarface, he was telling me about an inspirational play that he had written and then went on to recite a huge monologue from it with great passion. So even though Pepe's nearly 80 years old, he's still got so much energy. It was just a delight to chat to him. I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you have any feedback, then please do get in touch. You can find me on X, aka Twitter, on Instagram and on Blue Sky, or you can contact me via my website, MarkSearby.com. If you enjoyed this episode, then please don't forget to subscribe to the podcast for all future episodes. Until next time.